I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Anybody here ever been divorced? I ask this like I'm in a comedy club like look i'm looking around for a show of hands right who here's from out of town who here's been divorced right (laughs) uh i have i have yes i have yes i have and more than once because you know some lessons learn the hard way um and i i bring this up not just because to admit an unpleasant fact about myself though frankly why wouldn't i let it all hang out today i'm having that day i'm having that day what can i say um but because There are some parallels between how I see and view my own divorces and how, and oh, I promise I'm going somewhere. I know you are all like, you've got your finger hovering over that skip button. No, don't worry. Hang with me. Hang with me. I promise I'm going somewhere. There are a lot of parallels between getting a divorce, and for anyone who's felt it, I hope you feel this or have been through it, I hope you feel the same way as I do, and what we're all going through now. And it's only very recently hit me, that's what's going on, right? Between COVID and the recession and Black Lives Matter and Juneteenth and Tulsa this today, I'm recording this on a Saturday, God only knows what's about to happen today. I'm terrified and you know, giving me a, it's all giving me a, what the hell, let's just drop it all out now kind of vibe. It's all a mess. It's all sucks. It all is the worst, right? Not, I mean, very few of us really put, you know, the, (laughs) my favorite Twitter joke right now is who had, um, you know, rescinding a resignation by the, by the Southern District of New York on their 2020 bingo card. Anybody? Anybody have that one? No? Okay. Favorite Twitter meme. The crazy crap that is going on this year has just been outrageous. And you got to imagine if trends continue, right? These things tend to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up and ramp up and it's gotta pop. And I'm terrified about the pop. Anyway. Shit's going south. Shit's going crazy. Everything's nuts. Um, too many smart people I know are losing their jobs. And you know who you are. Hey, how you doing? Uh, unfortunate, though it might be. And you kind of go, oh, these people are smart. These people are good. These people should be highly gamely employed. They should be snapped up like that. And yet, you know, it's going to be a bit of a slog. It's going to take a little time for people like us, that is employer brand type professionals, to find our next particular spot, right? We're going through some stuff. We're going through a lot of stuff. And why I bring all this up is because how you view your own divorce defines how good you are at the end of it. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. And I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those the big ideas and the getting the details right so we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way ready to rock one two three let's go 
Hey, how you doing? James Ellis recording from Chicago, where people are still not wearing masks. What the hell is wrong with you people? Wear the damn masks. Anyway, I yes, I have had a lot of sleep. I feel totally caught up. The book got launched, so it's done. Yes, I have about five webinars I got to write this week. Um, it's a lot, but for me, the big monkey on my back is over. So all my free time is now dedicated to something I feel like I can control and not the book who is dictating all my decision making for the last two months. So tiring, so tiring. But yes, I, I had a couple of good drinks last night. I got a full eight hours of sleep, which for me happens about once a month. So, you know, I like to time those when it can happen. My wife is is to be thanked for that, for saying, get in bed. Here's the melatonin. Shut up. Put the book down. So here I am. Yes, go buy the book. Getting good reviews, getting great reviews. Actually, it's really freaking me out. Um, but, you know, it's one of those books that if you get it, you get it. And I hope that if you get me and you like the show I put on every single week and you like what I have to say and you ha like how raw I try to get with how we can all think better about this stuff, not just for, you know, businessy purposes, though, frankly, you got to do that, but also for you so that you can approach your job better and smarter and stronger and sharper and get more stuff done that you don't have to live in anybody else's, you know, ghettoized kind of sense of what your job is, that you can see your job as being the the cheerleader for mass change, which I it is, go buy the book. Go buy the book. Go share the book. Go comment about the book. Tell me. Send me a picture. Uh, drop a review on Amazon. That's really where the most powerful stuff is. But uh, go use it. Go share it. Share it with a person you love. At the same time, I wrote a thing getting crazy. I mean, I've been sitting on this one for a while. I literally mentally wrote it four months ago in a bus trip in Sweden. And how often do I get a chance to say that? Uh, I want to give a shout out to my friend Steve Ward, who is not listening to this podcast, but he should. But no, he doesn't have to because he knows he knows where my head is and, and I know where his head is. And yeah, he doesn't need to listen to my crap. Um, just a good conversation with Steve uh, started this idea that we needed to start an idea of employer brand for CM or for CMOs. What is a CMO's guide for employer brand? So it's sitting on LinkedIn. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, it's getting great reviews. People are sharing it. So it seems to be useful. So I'll pass that along. Otherwise, if you have a professional question, you would like me and perhaps another wonderful, delightful human being, employer brand professional to answer on the show. There's a link in the show notes for how you leave a 90 second question that we can answer. So I intend to bring on some pretty interesting guests to you know, tag team this sort of thing to kind of say, here's what I think and have them say, and you're an idiot, James. And I will say, that was cool. Let's do it again. Yeah. You can see how I, what I'm like when I'm getting a lot of sleep. So there you go. So that's what's up. So about this divorce thing. And, and honestly, go find, if you haven't been through a divorce, if you haven't, maybe you've been through just a, a really bad breakup and you know, that's pretty close. It's not the same. <laughs> If you're not losing a good deal of property and or a place to live in any sense of who you are as a human being and your own future, it's not quite the same, but I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I mean, we've all seen some pretty bad breakups that were soul-guttingly wrenching that you're like, yep, that that's close enough. If you haven't been through something like that, uh, what you've been doing, but I'll go find a friend. Go find a friend. One of your friend has been divorced and they will tell you this is all true. These are all true facts. When you go through the divorce, whether you instigate it, whether you have it instigated towards you, whether you decide it's some sort of mutual decision, it shakes your world. There's no question. It absolutely flips it up. It's the etch-a-sketch moment where you pick it up, flip it upside down, and shake it till it's all clean. And then you go, oh, crap, now what? 
that's, that's, that's every divorce. And every divorce person I ever, I've ever talked to about this, they all say, yep, that sounds about right. You have that moment, whether it's you walking out of the courtroom having just signed a bunch of papers, whether it's you having had that blow up fight or the fight after the fight or the discussion after that fight where you go, yeah, I guess we are done. Oh my. Um, you have that moment where you, nothing, there is no future, right? You are, there is no sense of the horizon. There is no sense of what comes next. There is no sense of, I mean, there's almost a sense of what do I have for lunch or where do I go and how do I, it's all gone. Anybody who's had that moment this last couple months I, I about work, I imagine you must have. And it's not just people who, who've been fired or have been laid off or their work has changed or what have you. I think all of this is screwing with our heads, right? There is this sense of so much is coming at us professionally. And I'm not even talking about politics. Let's just take a half a step away from that. There's no need to get into that, even though you know where I stand on that stuff and I want to talk about it, but that's not for this podcast. Let's take that, put that aside. We are talking about having been stuck in our homes for three months now. Three months now? Three months now. Just over. Just over. My lockdown in Illinois started in uh, middle of February, right? No, middle of March. Sorry, sorry, middle of March. Um, I literally just got back from vacation and we went, oh man, I'm so glad we got back safe and sound. And oh, here we go. We, one week later, it's all locked down. We're all stir crazy. We're all sad as hell. Um, and I'm not a sad guy. I'm more of an angry guy when it come push comes to shove. But, you know, getting in touch with the fact that it's all bad, it all sucks, that horrible, horrible things are happening to people all around the country, all around the world. And we're talking the gamut from losing your job to having some cop stand on your neck for eight and a half minutes. It's all bad. It's all bad. It, from, from cops targeting the press to, um, oh God, I mean, the, the laundry list is brutal. It's bad. And then on top of that, we go ahead and throw in, you know, all the, the Black Lives Matter. We throw in all the trans uh, relation stuff. We throw in, let's just throw it all in. Right. If you weren't having a bad day as employer brander three and a half months ago and you weren't having regular bad days in the ensuing three and a half months, you have absolutely had to have been having atrocious days over the last three weeks. Since the moment Minneapolis blew up, we all went, okay, we got to take this seriously. We have to take this seriously. I'm sure you've all seen the tweet about, you know, the, the, the tongue in cheek, but totally gut-wrenchingly true. Hey, it's cool that your company stands with Black Lives Matter. Can you please show me a picture of your executive board and C-suite officers? Uh-huh. Yeah. Care about it all you want, but let's back that up. Let's back it up with some real stuff, with some real meaningful stuff. Because that's where we are. In a lot of ways, all the rules that we have been dealing with, all the rules that we have been wrestling with, all the expectations that have been placed upon us are gone, both in a good and in a bad way. Because no longer is it enough to say, yeah, we stand with those people too. Cool. Right on. Right? You've heard, you've seen by now, certainly thousands of your friends on Instagram excuse me, Instagram have, have tweeted the quote-unquote anti-racist stuff, which, by the way, 
I don't, I, ha- I certainly hadn't heard of three weeks ago before net before then, but suddenly it's like, yeah, that, no, that completely describes who I am. That completely describes, I get it. That's a, that's a state of mind. That's a state of being. It's not enough to say, I'm not cool with that. It's more to say, how do I step in and fix this? And I myself have wrestled with the concept of being a straight white dude, middle-aged dude, uh, and saying, look, I am not down with that stuff. I am not, you know, I want everybody, I, you know, I, I'm not even going to get into all I matter because I think that's nuts. But I want everybody to have equal shot. I want everybody to have a chance. I want everybody to get an education. I want everybody to get their own particular shot to get their ass kicked just like I got my ass kicked and you've gotten your ass kicked but in a fair way where like we had a shot and not where the 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 chips were not I'm sorry where the the, the cards were functionally and systematically stacked against you so many different ways the fact that anybody gets out is a fucking miracle. Pardon my swearing. It was about to ha- it was bound to happen, right? I've struggled with this and I've kind of struggled with it quietly in my own head and in the last three weeks I can't, right? I can't. I can't. You got to take a stand. And this is what I mean. Your employer brand can no longer be nice. Your employer brand has to take a stand. Even if that stand is no stand, that is a stand. If you say nothing, if you step away, look at what happened to AMC theaters this week who said, you know what, we're not going to get into this, our masks political thing. This is clearly a very complicated political debate, and we're going to step away, and we are not going to enforce a mask policy in our theaters, to which everybody went, um, dummies, masks aren't political. The idiots are making it political, but they're not. They're a health code violation. They are purely about keeping people safe. And if you're down with keeping your own customers alive, step up to the plate make the masks enforceable. And it took about 24, 36 hours before they went, oh yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That's a good, you know what? I guess we were wrong. And good on them for admitting they were wrong in so much that any company ever admits that they're wrong, which drives me up the wall. But they changed their policy. Yep, need to have a mask and policy, right? There is no such thing as not taking a stand. Everything you do and say is a stand. Everything we do as an employee of an employer brand manager is it has to be seen through our, what are we taking a stand for? I read a great book. I mean, for those of you who know me, you know how often I recommend books uh, like A Beautiful Constraint and uh, A Pirate Inside. Uh, Adam Morgan, you know, the guy who writes that stuff is just a genius. I love his stuff and he comes at it from – the way he approaches it, there's so much great ideas to use from an employer brand perspective. And one of the – he wrote a new one. Uh, it's a small one. I think it's called Overthrow. I'll put, throw a link in the show notes here. I'm literally going to write that down. Yes, you have to listen to me write things down. Overthrow show notes and of course half an hour from now I'll be like what did I say about that because no one can read my handwriting I should be a doctor I should be Leonardo da Vinci's doctor for those of you who get jokes about writing backwards um Right, overthrow is about, and he talks to these different brands who have figured out that you don't need stacks and stacks and stacks of cash to make may increase brand awareness to create create the increase the value of the company to make sales happen to make customers happen you know the things that you and I struggle with every single day of how do you make employ, uh, applicants happen employees happen when you are you're strapped you got no budget whatsoever most of the time i love books like that working within constraints and one of the things he talks about is this idea that brands who are good at being challengers. And by the way, that's where he, he, that's the approach he takes from these, this idea of challenger brands, which by the way, I've talked about in previous podcasts. Brands who take a stand, who are enlightened about something, who know something the world does not, have an advantage because they 
are different and they are meaningfully different and not in a, hey, I don't know if you know, but high-waisted chinos are the way to go this year. And that, that's not a stand. That's not being enlightened. That's simply saying, I need to be different just for the sake of having some copy to throw in my email. I mean, you're looking at companies who say, you know what? No more cow milk. We got to make it easier for people to drink their coffee with some sort of lightener fluid that makes it better, uh, that kills the bitterness of coffee, which by the way is why you drink, put creamer in your coffee. Um, not because I like the taste of cream. It's because it it, it tempers the bitter of, of coffee to make it more delicious, right? It turns the dial on those things, on those flavor profiles of coffee. That's not the podcast I expected to have. But this company said, and I'm not going to get the company right because I'm not going to remember it. It's probably Oatly. It's, that sounds right. Um, they took a stand and said, look, you can do things to get the value you want, and we're going to take a stand against squeezing milk into cows, Right? They were enlightened about an idea that it's not necessary to milk a cow to get valuable stuff for your coffee. That it is enlightened. Is it true? Oh, it's a whole different ballgame. But they're taking a stand against an idea. They're taking a stand. They're saying, we know better about an idea. We become enlightened about an idea. That is a brand that carries its own weight. That is a brand that functionally becomes a kind of movement to say, look, standing with Oatly because of their stance on cows or not standing on Oatly means something. In the same way that to certain people wearing a mask or not wearing a mask means something politically – it means something. It carries weight. It shouldn't. It's a healthcare violation or healthcare thing more than anything else. And that, I think we've made that crystal clear. But being aligned with an idea is meaningful. Being aligned to a movement, you don't need advertising. Look, Black Lives Matter collects money to support a cause, but let's be fair, they're not an ad-supported cause. They're, you, you don't see people marching in the streets because of the ads they saw saying, oh, yeah, this is wrong. No. They marched down the streets because they saw the video copy, uh, the, the video recording that we've all seen in Minneapolis and all the other places. They've said, this is nuts. This is insane. And it just happens where everything's ready to pop and everybody's inside and everybody's going stir crazy. The, 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 the context was just right for this to, to pop. It wasn't an ad campaign. It wasn't marketing copy. It wasn't a hashtag. It wasn't anything like that. It was a movement they created because they were taking a stand for something. And here comes your brand wading into the middle of this saying, hey, we like black, brown, women, gay, whatever people, disabled veterans, whatever, cops, we like them too. I'm sorry, your voice probably doesn't sound like that in, my, in your head, but there you are. It's how I differentiate your voice from my voice. You, it's not enough to say that. It's not enough to say, yeah, that, we're cool with, we're down with that too. That's, that's, that's totally fine. We want black people too. Cool. By the way, I also struggle with the concept of the word black because I am old enough to remember that we were told not to say the word black. It was African-American. And then I went on a webinar once and I said black because somebody said that that's what it was and somebody lambasted me in the comments. So I never know what the right answer is. So I'm sticking with black right now just because that seems to be the way to go. And if you think that that's a racist thing to say or I'm trying to make some sort of pejorative joke about it, you're totally missing the point. I'm not. I'm just sick, simply picking a word. And if you're telling me that word is wrong, fine. Tell me offline. Moving on. To say that you're just cool with black people, to say you're just cool with Latinx people, to just say that you're just cool with gay people is not enough. I'm literally smacking my own knee when you hear that. I, can, I know the microphone must be catching that. It's not enough. It's not enough. We are drawing lines to say, look, we are going to be Hobby Lobby and say, we don't care about that stuff at all. And you know what that means. And they 
presume you know what that means, and I'm presuming you do too. Uh, and by the way, don't stand on that platform myself. Uh, but that's what they're saying. And they're on some level, on some horrible, painful level, there is a segment of the world who says, yeah, I'm down with that too. And those are the people who are going to apply. In a way, this is a differentiation positioning job. Right? You're saying this is what we stand for. This is what we care about. This is what we're enlightened about. We don't care about that stuff. Katrina Kibben wrote a great post in her email this week about how she was applying for a job and she was a shoo-in to get this job and she went and read the posts and it turns out that this is a, a company that says, nope, we believe that marriage is meant between one, one man and one woman and she kind of went, you know what? This is not going to be my place. And that's a completely valid way of going about it. And the problem, of course, is too many companies have hidden that stuff. I've been through that myself. I had been through that where I was a shoe-in for this job. I was ready to get it, and I started to do my due diligence. And it turns out this guy who owned this company, who was I was going to have to report to, was a huge Trump supporter, a donor, in fact. And I went, yeah, um, we're not going to get along. I can't spend my time helping you. Uh, my energies have to go someplace. It's just not going to go here. And again, if that offends your political sensibilities, hey, you made choices too. That's cool. I don't have to agree with mine or with yours. You don't have to agree with mine. That's just life. Moving on. But you still have to take a stand. For it, against it, I don't care. Every brand has to take a stand. Ben & Jerry's has taken a stand, but of course you expected Ben & Jerry's to take a stand. They're really good at that. They got a really good muscle for taking a stand. But, you know, it's it's the, the North Face's who have been pretty good about it, but never really, I think, to my experience, you know, stepped up like this. I know REI stepped up once about Black Friday. That was a really cool move. There's a position where you simply say, I am stepping up for this. This is too, this is a, a step too far. This is an idea that can't go on anymore. We are against this idea. And it has to be wrapped up in your employer brand. So going back to my divorce metaphor, if that's what we're calling that, this is a good thing. I know, it sounds terrifying. I know, if you're an employer brand manager, what you're usually doing is you're juggling the expectations and perceptions and ideas of what people think and like about your company, right? There's more than two people in your company, so therefore there's a lot of different opinions as to why people like to work for your company. And you have to manage them because they're all not going to be Black Lives Matter friendly. They're not all going to be trans friendly, trans lives matter friendly. Even, you, even if you are, and well, let's not get into that. Even if you are, if they aren't, you can't discredit their opinion. If you're Trump-friendly and the owner's a flaming liberal, you're going to have some problems. If it's vice versa, you're going to have some problems. And that's where employer brand really needs to say, this is our chance to make a stand. To say, look, this is this kind of company and this is where we take a stand. And it's not just external facing. It's not simply saying, this is what we care about so that you can have a reason to apply. Because that's a lame argument for a reason to do anything. What's really going on is that you are taking a stand to, yeah, get people the similar kind of people to, t to pay attention to you and maybe potentially apply. Cool. Yes. Knock on effect. The real value of making a stand like that is telling your employees, if you're on board, you're on board all the way. And if you're not on board okay, you cannot say you didn't know. This is who we are. These are the stands we're making. When companies take uh, make donations, they always seem to make donations to the safest places, right? They're going to make donations to the Red Cross. They're going to make donations to uh, humanitarian efforts that are as deeply unpolitical as possible. Occasionally, they make it to the ACLU, but even that's becoming super political because, well, it's too bad. Uh, the, the right to express yourself should be pretty much open and shut. 
But you'll notice it's very rare that they make these donations to Black Lives Matter. It's very rare they make donations to um, – I mean, Lord knows they're not making too many donations to Planned Parenthood these days. That's terrifying. That's just, that's, just, that's scary for companies because they might, right? They're the line that Michael Jordan once made, Republicans buy sneakers too. So you don't want to make these stands because the consumer brand says – and this consumer brand thinking says all money is equal and thus collect as much as you can. You are living in a quality game, not, in a, not a quantity game, which means all money and i.e. all applicants are not equal. That means you have to stand for something so that people can say, yep, I'm going to be a part of this or I'm going to not be a part of this. Whether they're already inside it or not, they have to know what they're, what they're joining up to be. Right? Not a lot of Republicans go, you know what? I don't really stand for Ben and Jerry's, but it's a job. That's cool. Because they just don't fit. They just don't connect. When they see the profit of the company going all these places they dislike, how long before they just go, I can't handle it? If I went and joined the NRA, if I got hit on the head and I joined the NRA to help them and their employer brand, right? How long before I just get sick of it and I can't stand hearing that stuff? That's fair. But the right thing to do is have it clear coming in. The right thing to do is say, look, it's totally fine if you're not down with this, but there's the door. Now, is it better to do it when we're not in a recession? Everybody's terrified of losing their jobs and terrified of finding the next job? Yeah, that would have been better, but this is the cards we're dealt. We're here. The divorce means you have a clean sheet of paper. That is both terrifying and amazing. Right? It is terrifying is that all the systems you used to rely on in getting through your day, on knowing what to do, on knowing where to go to go next and what you're going to have for dinner and when do you go grocery shopping and what's bedtime, right? That was the thing that threw me. The second I got divorced, I kind of went, when do I go to bed? Because there's no one there to kind of apply some sort of social proof to say, oh, I guess we're going to bed now. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm an adult. I was adult then. And I didn't feel like a child saying, you can't tell me when to go to bed. It wasn't like that. It was just like, you know what? If my wife's going to bed, I guess I'm going to bed too. That's just what you do in a married couple. There's so many of assumed rules that you absorb and say, oh, this must be how I do it. And when you get divorced and you realize how many of those rules were assumed and unthought of and unconcerned and un unconsidered, they were just applied willy-nilly because that was the thing to do, you start to realize, well, if they're all gone, why do I do what I do? And suddenly it is deep into therapy you go, which should be really the, – the, the judge should just assign everybody a couple of months of therapy after every single divorce. We'd, it would be a wonderful, much better world had that been true. Think of how many times Donald Trump's been divorced, and that was a joke I didn't expect to make, and here we are. I've lost followers. I don't care. Here we are. But you get the opportunity to say, okay, so what am I standing for? What do I care about? What am I trying to do? What's worth my time? What's not worth my time? What is important to me? What is a priority to me? Where do I put my time, my energy, my life, my passion, my where do I go? Why do I go there? That is what the first couple of weeks and months after getting a divorce is like. And right now, a lot of you are having those exact same thoughts. And that's appropriate because the rug has been pulled out from under us across the board. Suddenly, all the things that were okay to do, all the, the blasé, boring wallpaper language we were allowed to use because we didn't want to offend anybody is no longer appropriate or valuable. You gots to take a stand on whatever it is, on whatever it is, but you gots to. That, uh, there's no getting around it anymore. 
If you want to say, look, we're a company that does not want to be political, that's fine, and you are going to hire Republicans and Democrats and liberals and conservatives like that's great, but you have to stand for something. Otherwise, what exactly is that business doing? Then that is the that is the the exact example of a company that exists to give out paychecks and people who show up just for the paycheck. And you know what we call those employees? Crap employees. People who show up and do just enough to not get fired. What kind of strong employer brand is that? It's crap is what it is. So on a lot of levels, taking a stand, being enlightened about something, standing for something meaningful for saying, we like this, but we don't care for this, and we will draw a line here and we will not stand for that, is kind of where we live now, or we're about to, or we're marching towards very, very quickly, depending on your industry, depending on your level of competition. And that has to be terrifying for people who have gotten away for so long of just following the rules and doing it the way everybody else does and worrying about your glass door score and worrying about how do you make your job posting stand out a little much, little bit more, but not too much because you don't want to rock a boat. And that really must be terrifying for the people who say, yeah, I'm just going to do it the way everybody else does it, which by the way is still a lot of people, unfortunately. I'm not calling out names. I'm not pointing fingers because we all have to learn at our own pace. I'm simply saying... We've moved out of junior junior varsities, and now, well, this is pretty close to the major leagues, and this is where we live. So those of you who have been divorced and know the, the steps, the mourning process, the grieving process of how you figure out how to take this horrible thing and say, how do I look at this as a challenge instead? How do I look at this as an opportunity to rebuild and reframe and rethink what I'm here for, why I'm doing what I'm doing? What the hell am I doing with my life? Right? Because that's also a pretty common refrain after a divorce. What the hell am I doing with my life? Why did I choose that person? Why did I stick around that person? Why did I think that person was going to be enough for me? Why did I think it was enough for, and that was going to serve me for the rest of my life? What, where, where's my head that I thought that was okay? The, the, the trick of surviving and getting through and, and coming out of a divorce stronger is going, this has nothing to do with the other person. Because again, it's it's straight up uh, uh, the alcoholic's prayer, the serenity's prayer. You know, help me figure out what I'm not. I don't have control over, and help me control the things that I do. And that's the thing: you have no control over that other person. They are gone. They have left you. They are done. They no longer live with you. They no longer share a last name. If that's the thing you chose to do, it's gone. It's done. It's over. You have no control. They're going to live their lives. So that means it's all on you to live your life. In a lot of ways, your employer brand has a huge opportunity to figure out who the hell it is, what it stands for, what it cares about, what's it doing with its life. To have that existential crisis moment and to come out the other side saying, yep, this is what we decided. This is where we landed. I feel good about this. This is useful. This is valuable. This is deeper than just some poster we hang on the wall. This is deeper than a social post that we borrowed from somebody else, right? But oh, some, some people just went, ooh, that one hurt. Yeah, because you've done it. I've done it too. Don't worry. We've all done it. It's just, guess what? Ain't cool anymore. It's not going to fly. It's not going to work. It's not going to be enough. Saying like is not enough anymore. What are you and your brand and your company going to take a stand for now? And that is amazing. That is where we live right now. And that's why employer brand is so fascinating to me is that we have been practicing for so, so, so long. We have been building some skill sets. We've been building some 
technical skills and some soft skills and some political skills and some tactical skills and some strategy skills, but they've been very junior varsity. They've been very minor league. They've been very, we'll figure it out. We're going to grow. We're going to practice on our own. The stakes are fairly low. Guess what? Stakes are much higher now. Much higher. Much higher. Much higher. And this is where we figure out who's good at this. And this is how we figure out who wants to be a part of this. And I'm, 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 I'm fascinated. I can't wait. I'm excited. I'm terrified and excited all at once, much like I was after multiple divorces. Two. The answer is two, by the way. I make it sound like I'm, I'm freaking Hugh Hefner or something. Wait, did Hugh Hefner ever get married? I can't remember. No, I don't think he ever did. He creepo got, didn't get married. Uh, Liz Taylor then. Let's just go Liz Taylor. That's a pretty obvious one, right? Johnny Carson will be good too. Johnny Carson got divorced a lot. But anyway, this is a weird pod, weird turn I did not expect to have. Anyway, this is where we are. This is the fun stuff. This is the expectations. The, 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 the bar got higher. And while you are grappling with your own crap, because we are all grappling with crap right now, a lot of it, perhaps too much of it. No, I'm going to go ahead and say definitely too much of it. But this is where we are. So. Uh, I, like I said, I would love to hear what you have to say about this one. This was a weird podcast. I got plenty of sleep, so I just went for it. I swung for the fences. There's a 4% chance I will delete it and re-record this on Sunday, something safer. But if you're hearing this, guess what? I did not. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for buying the book. Thank you for talking about the book and sharing it on social media. I appreciate it. Um, but definitely buy the book. It's, and, and as a reminder, it's not just me. It's a lot of other smart people. It's Charu Malhotra. It's Alina Valentine. It's uh, Ben Gledhill. It's Lane Sutton. It's Alin Bailey. It's Tracy Parsons. It's uh, Deb Johnson. It's Laura Saunders. It is is so many smart people. So definitely go take a look at it. Um, I'm not going to tell you it's the new Bible of the industry, but someone said that, and I'm not going to tell you who. Uh, Go take a look at it. I really hope you get some value out of it. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for commenting and sharing and all the wonderful things you do. I know it's hard out there. Keep it up. Keep it going. Uh, We're going to get through this together. That's really the only way we do anything. So I'll talk to you later. Bye. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter at The War for Talent. You can go to the podcast website at thetalentcast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to employerbrand.news and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just say hello or let's just talk. That's linkedin.com slash in slash The War for Talent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, I'd pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me. Let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.